From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, May 4th. At USU's Moab campus, Joanne is decked out. She's setting aside her face-covering helmet as she adjusts her thick, spark-resistant gloves, preparing to grind out her first weld. Push in or forward? Uh, push it forward. Push it forward. Yeah, not hard. Firing up the angle grinder, Joanne gets to work. Four other women are looking on and encouraging her. One of them is welding instructor Chloe Wilson. She says a lot of welding work is in the details. You need time and a cool head to get things right. Each woman in this group has taken a turn on what's known as deburring, each one moving slowly and methodically. Okay. People say that. Women make good welders because we're, like, detail-oriented and patient, and I'm seeing it right here. It's true. USU's first Women in Welding workshop was held over four weeks in early spring, funded partially through the university's Center for Intersectional Gender Studies and Research. The workshop aimed to make welding more accessible to women. It's really quite unusual, isn't it, to see a bunch of women doing something like this. That's Joanne, who just finished her turn with the angle grinder. She says she wants to learn skills because she collects antiques, and welding could help her repair old pieces. I typically do a lot of woodworking. I've built pieces of furniture, and I use a sander. And so I think that it will help me, although I've got probably all the antiques I'm going to (laughs) buy. I'm already an antique myself. Like Joanne, most women signed up for these welding workshops to add skills in their personal life for repair, construction, or even art. And a few say they're inspired to learn even more. That's kind of what USU and Instructor Wilson are hoping for. According to the American Welding Society, women make up just 5% of the welding workforce. So this industry, the welding industry is 90 to 95% men. There's not a lot of female representation in it. That's Wilson. She says it's not because women aren't interested in welding. This women's workshop was so popular, spots filled up in about two days. And over 30 people are on a wait list for future women in welding workshops. To Wilson, this shows a real accessibility gap in the industry. The amount of women that are welding professionally and the amount of women that are interested in having access to this industry and training in this industry, like there's such a big gap there. And so I hope to do what I can in Moab to bridge that gap. As older welding professionals retire, the American Welding Society projects an industry-wide shortage of workers in the hundreds of thousands by 2027. Welding encompasses everything from boilermakers to sheet metal workers, structural metal fabricators and fitters. Wilson herself worked in home construction and sheet metal fabrication. And she says throughout her own education and work experience, she never saw another female welder. I wish that I had had a space like this to train in and had access to female welders and been trained by female welders. Because the experience as a female welder is just different. I think a lot of women see the men in this industry and don't see a lot of female representation, if any. And so it's intimidating to them because they don't see themselves represented. And so I think that making it women in welding and having a female instructor makes them more comfortable to come in here and know that they're surrounded by women and that it's not intimidating because it's not all men like this industry traditionally is. I've been doing a lot of like 
women, um, different courses where it's just specifically for women because of that environment. Carmen just completed a weld on a bike rack. She says learning among women and from a woman in a traditionally male-dominated field does make a huge difference for her. For me, at least, I feel comfortable failing. I feel comfortable asking questions. She says welding. It's just always been an interest of mine, and I've never had anybody to teach me, really. Um, so it's been really nice. And Chloe's been so supportive. Her, her attitude about getting women in welding and making it accessible has been um, something I didn't think I'd ever get to experience. And I actually signed up for the welding sculpture class this fall. This is exactly what Wilson was hoping for with this workshop, that it would help women become more comfortable with welding, even seek out more skills through standalone specialized classes or by earning their welding certificate. My big hope for them leaving this class is that they have basic foundational skills that they can use at home to build stuff at home and repair stuff at home. And then also I hope that if they had fun here and they liked it, that they will come back for more. In the final class of the Women in Welding workshop, students worked on individual projects. One made an address sign for her home, another a shoe rack, others small metal sculptures. What's exciting to me is that they can make something functional or aesthetic that they can have at home to look at all the time. Something that they'll build in here and be proud of and be able to show off. Yeah, this is the cherry on top. Due to mind-blowing demand, USU Moab says they will offer more women in welding workshops this year. Their standalone and certificate courses are ongoing on the semester schedule. For more on USU's welding program, visit moabtech.usu.edu. In a history-making move, Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commissioners yesterday unanimously approved the state's final gray wolf restoration and management plan. As Morgan Neely with our partners at Katie and Kay reports, it's the culmination of a years-long process. But not everyone is happy. Voters narrowly approved Proposition 114 in the November 2020 election. The ballot measure directed CPW to restore wolves to Colorado by December 31, 2023, and kicked off years of stakeholder and technical group meetings, public engagement, and opportunities for written comment. After CPW released a draft plan on December 9, 2022, there have been six virtual and in-person meetings around the state with about 4,000 written and verbal comments submitted. All that culminated Wednesday with commissioners voting 11 to nothing to approve the final Colorado wolf restoration and management plan. Eric O'Dell, a species conservation program manager for CPW, is the state's biological and technical lead for wolf restoration. He told the crowd of dozens of ranchers, outfitters, conservationists, and CPW officers and officials that the process has benefited from discussions with counterparts in other western states that already have wolves. A fundamental and primary takeaway from these conversations was that the biological realities of reintroducing and managing wolves is not that different from any other species that state wildlife management agencies have experience with. But what is fundamentally different about wolves when comparing that to other conservation efforts is the level of public interest and attention in the polarizing social and political aspect that this species brings. And that's certainly been what we've experienced throughout this process. 
And it has been polarizing, with ranchers and outfitters claiming wolves would destroy their livelihood and even the Western way of life, while conservation biologists and animal welfare advocates have pointed to the success of wolves in Yellowstone National Park in nurturing a balanced ecosystem, restoring overgrazed aspen forests, even boosting bee populations and riparian habitat. 39 of Colorado's 64 counties passed resolutions opposing wolf reintroduction before the vote in November 2020, and ultimately Prop 114 only got a majority of the vote in 13 counties. But those were very populous counties on the front range. Garfield County commissioners have been staunch opponents of wolf reintroduction. They've advocated to postpone restoration until the state can receive a 10-J designation from the federal government. That would classify wolves as a non-essential experimental population and allow CPW and the public more leeway to kill the apex predator if livestock, working dogs, or humans are threatened or harassed. 63% of Garfield County citizens voted against the reintroduction. That's Garfield County Commissioner Mike Sampson, who's held office since 2008. The state reintroduction plan must provide our citizens, grazers, outfitters, etc., with adequate tools to manage an apex predator being forced upon them. As you are aware, Garfield County has stood against the effort to reintroduce wolves since well before the vote. However, here we are. Under the final plan, ranchers will be eligible for $15,000 per animal that they can prove was lost to wolf depredation, even up to $30,000 if they have veterinary costs. After the entire wild gray wolf population in the state was exterminated in the 1930s and 40s, it took until the early 2000s for them to return, wandering back into Colorado from their restoration in Yellowstone. Nearly two decades later, in 2021, the state had its first breeding pair since the 1940s. It's thought that only two wolves reside in the state right now. And even with the final management plan in place, it's possible that reintroduction could still be delayed for years. Several bills with bipartisan support making their way through the Colorado legislature would undermine the will of the voters, halting restoration until the state can receive a 10-J designation. For KDNK News, I'm Morgan Neely. Where'd he come from? Where'd you come from? What are you doing here? Canis lupus. Vulpus vulpus. I have a phobia of wolves. What a beautiful creature. Wish him luck, boys. Good luck. Good luck out there. That's a scene from Wes Anderson's film, Fantastic Mr. Fox. This story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, May 4th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.